Alright guys, it's week 293, and if I'm a little stressed out or annoyed, it's because I've been dealing with Amazon since, uh, what, December 9th. Apparently, someone hacked into my Amazon account and ordered 11 digital Kindles uh, for $154.94 a piece. Luckily, my bank caught them. Not Amazon. They didn't seem to care, even though email, gift receipt, obviously, it's clearly a scam. So they didn't catch it, but my bank caught it after three. And now I've been dealing with Amazon ever since trying to get a refund. They tell me it's refunded. It's not popping up in my account. First, it was three to five business days. Now it's five to ten business days. Looking like I might have to file a fraud complaint with my bank. Amazon has been zero help. All their customer service is outsourced. And it's not like a, a xenophobic hate here. It's just I need somebody that can speak English when we have a complicated issue here. And, and none of these people really could very well. And they did not understand the situation. Very aggravating. I know Amazon's trying to save a few bucks. I know the people that are just accepting the job. Who wouldn't? If you, if it, you know what I mean? If it's a decent paying job. But at the same time, like guys, for fraud, you can't. Just have somebody that does not know what's going on talk to somebody. It's very aggravating. Same answers, same useless information. Everybody's a parrot. It's just basically password reset garbage, stuff like that. It's been a very annoying situation around Christmas. And, you know, like $464 or something like that. It's not, like, going to kill anyone. But it really, it's it's quite a bit. You know, I mean, it's, it's a decent amount of money around Christmas. I'll tell you that for, for extra spending and everything. So it's very aggravating, very annoying. Amazon has done zero to make it right. Um, they In fact, they didn't even actually legit think there was a fraud case, even though somebody ordered 11 digital um, Kindles. And they all registered to some... Weird weird gift receipt email and if you scan like the transi- transaction or whatever the, uh, the address it clearly goes to some other country it's absurd amazon you really dropped the ball and i this is what this is what i get from ordering from amazon to be brutally honest this is what i get you know it's an evil giant shitty corporation that's done terrible things and this is why you probably shouldn't order it to save a few bucks because every once in a while they'll come and bite you in your ass and those few bucks you save you're probably not saving anything so fuck you amazon fuck off um so i guess we're gonna hop into the reviews on that note and the first one up is from real gore releasing and this is nightmare symphony that word sympathy sympathy i have trouble saying that word sympathy yeah not gonna say that today i guess apparently but obviously you know the music kind of deal and our real gore has put out a slew of movies including mask which is a pretty cool film violent shit the remake which is pretty awful curse of wolfenstein they have a couple other ones this one was released with maniac driver which i already covered on the show by carando um who did a bunch of cool films like gun woman so yeah um i actually maniac driver is pretty good stuff so this one is actually directed by um I always want to look up here. It's directed by uh, Domenizano, uh, Cristofaro, and Daniel Tranti. And the the first name is uh, a pretty famous like Italian director in the extreme kind of world. He does a lot of crazy, weird films. And this film is a love letter to Lucio Fulci. So essentially what we have here is the star of this film is actually a real director. He did stuff like uh, Fear No Evil and... Uh, what is it, The Lady in White? Um, so he has a couple films under his belt, and basically he kind of fills the shoes of Lucio Fulci and like Cat in the Brain or, or Nightmare Concert. Obviously the title reflects this one too. So essentially, you know, it, it's that kind of movie. Uh, so it, it's a bizarre film, and we like a lot of it as the editing of the movie and the filmmaking behind the scenes, and of course people start picking off the characters that are working on the film behind the scenes and all this kind of stuff. And the very ending gets very crazy and surreal. Um, not, I guess not dis- uh, similar 
similar to uh, Cat in the Brain. And the very ending is the best part. You know, that stuff works really well. I will mention that you can watch this in German or English. Well, they have English listed, but when you try to watch in English, the, the it's all messed up. It's distorted. It's, it's a broken uh, audio track. I don't know if that's on all the versions or just this edition, but the English audio does not work. It is broken. It is corrupted. There's something wrong with it. Don't know. You guys might want to check your disc. Don't know if it's all of them, but I couldn't watch it in English here, so I watched it in uh, German. Uh, yeah. So, a- anyways, uh, the film itself is—it's not too long, but it does take a while to get started. The movie opens up with a brutal death, which you're like, "Oh, cool!" And it's very reminiscent of New York Ripper. They have a little rubber ducky, Donald Duck, there for a shout out to New York Ripper, and also probably don't torture a duckling. But the very opening, they redo the the New York Ripper kill, right? The slice of the nipples and slice of the eyes, all those brutal, nasty touches that New York Ripper has. But it just basically reminds you of a better film. And a better special effect in New York Ripper. So I'm not bagging on the movie too bad. You know, the effects are okay. Um, this effect is probably my least favorite, to be honest, because it just reflects, it's just a rip of New York Ripper and it's not done nearly as well, which is kind of funny when movies always do like a rehash of something that you've seen and it's an iconic scene. You're just like, don't remind me of a better scene. Which is kind of a mistake in a lot of ways, but it's also a love later, so it's it's very iffy. And that character does kind of come back in a cool way, and I like how they look afterwards because of what happened to them. As we progress, we kind of have a lot of the details and the director uh, working on the film and all this kind of stuff, and they show some of his old films like Fear No Evil and all this kind of stuff, and it reflects, you know, the beyond, what happened with Fulci's film with the zombies, which is kind of cool, nice little touches for obvious fans of Fulci here, these filmmakers. And uh, it does take a while for the gore to start. The first couple of deaths, you know, there's like a strangulation, and you're like, what is going on here? But after a while, there's a couple of nice little gore scenes. There is one a digital splatter of blood, which was unneeded. Um, it's not a deal breaker. Um, I will say the movie is a little slow, a little meandering, a little tedious at times. The the place they shot it at, the the city, I love. I think it looks great. I think the cinematography is pretty solid for a, a, a you know a low budget film. Nothing wrong with it there. You know they try to do some atmosphere at the ending. I think it works well. I think the ending is the best part. The last ten minutes I was invested. Before that I was a little iffy. It's probably because you know having trouble with the English audio thing and stuff. It kind of kind of was a little upsetting at times here and there. But um, you know the main character is a strange one. You know he's not faulty. He's not Fulci at all, and he doesn't have the films under his belt like Fulci does, so it's a little less interesting. But it is a love letter to, you know, Nightmare uh, Concert, a.k.a. Cat in the Brain, which I love. And this one, make it reminds me of better films. You know, that that is a problem, too. And that's a lot of these kind of neo It's not even a Neo-Jolly, because it's not a jolly, but it's a shout-out to, you know, Nightmare Concert, which is kind of a jolly. I don't know. If anybody's ever seen Cat in the Brain, then you know exactly what it is. It's a weird gore film that rehashes a lot of the clips from Fulci's movies because he's going crazy. He looks like Elmer Fudd. It's a very fun movie. Um, this one, you know, it, it doesn't exactly land for me. I didn't hate my time with it, all of it. I, I did feel a little like it was a little too meandering at times. There is a character in here that's like a famous actor, and he like is kind of low down and uh, like out his luck and everything he wants to be in the new film. And he's absolutely hilariousness. His performance is great. He's just like kind of like a um, a Franco Nero on steroids or something. So that's pretty fun. As far as the special features are concerned, I believe there was uh, um, man, I can't. They're not listed on the back, but I think there was a couple special features on here to be brutally honest. So, but I do not remember them, which is unfortunate. But 
Yeah. So it's a love letter to Fulci. Um, it just reminds you that you might want to watch a Fulci movie instead. I don't mean that as a necessary insult. I respect anyone that respects Fulci, and these guys clearly do. This next one up is from Full Moon Entertainment, and this is by uh, you know Italian director Sergio Martino. This is part of the Eurocult line, and this is the tale of two scorpions. Um, scorpion with two tails. I always say the tale of two scorpions like tail of two sisters. Scorpion with two tails. And this was originally a miniseries that was probably close to two hours that was cut into an hour and 37 minute movie. And this has a slew of actors that any Italian uh, film fan will know. The music is uh, by Fabio Frizzi, who's one of you did a lot of the Fulci stuff. And it's funny because there's one movie that he did the score for a TV movie in 1980 that like rehashes a lot of City of the Living Dead. And this one rehashes a lot of the same music that Fabio Frizzi does. I don't know how much is original or how much is rehashed. Sounds very familiar. Um, but all Fabio Frizzi sounds kind of familiar if you've seen The Beyond or Zombie. You can tell the difference, of course, in those films. But a lot of the other stuff, maybe he's a little too familiar. Maybe these are just lifted from other films. It really does feel like that, like City of the Living Dead and stuff. But who knows? Um, so it has a good cast in here. I mean, it's got, like I said, John Saxton, um, uh, Von, Von Johnson. What the fuck is that actor's name i've seen him in a slew of things i, I want to make sure i get it um van johnson where is he? he's not even listed i don't think but uh there's also claudio Casanelli. um geez <clears throat> gene carlo uh the guy from a hell of living dead is in here it's got a slew of these character actors that you'd recognize right away um what i really noticed right away in the opening credits was that it was written by ernesto gastaldi and Dardano said Ketty, which I was like, geez, those two are like the polar opposites when it comes to Italian horror. You have like the Gialli Meister who writes all the Gialli and Ernesto Gastaldi. And then you have like the kind of crazy, weird, like Lovecraftian, supernatural aspects of Sacchetti, who did all faulty stuff, demons. He wrote a lot of great things. So I was like, how the fuck is this going to work? So it works exactly like it sounds. It's like a Gialli crime story running headfirst into like a Fulci style, like I wouldn't say Gorba, but atmosphere kind of maggots crawling around story. So we know that uh, Dardano liked the maggots, apparently. <laughs> so so we have that going on, and I just was like, this is such a weird mixture. Essentially what happens is John Saxon is some sort of archaeologist. I never know what the proper term is, and he's like uh, do, working on this crypt. And he ends up getting killed um, right in the beginning with the first 10 minutes. Sorry for the spoiler. His head is turned completely around by these giant hands. And it turns out that, uh, you know, he was working on this, like, thing. And, and uh, his father-in-law was involved. So the wife wants to go there and see what happens. She starts to investigate. She starts to be immediately pulled into, like, the weird kind of, like, aspect of, like, the, the tomb and everything like that. And has a connection with it. While at the same time, she starts to realize there's some criminal activity going on. This brings all sorts of unsavory characters from both kind of little places there and people are getting their heads turned around by the big big uh, man like giant hand guy and everything and eventually you know there's a lot of weird maggot flying scenes there's lots of strange supernatural aspects and there's a huge crime element the body count is through the roof in this movie there's shootouts tons of people getting killed tons of people getting their heads turned around and there's lots of twists and turns where people you know are seemingly good and then they're not seemingly dead and they're not um, as far as the picture quality is concerned it's absolute dog shit I know that the old Mia communications DVD was not Nothing to you be happy about. I don't know if I ever watched the DVD. I don't think it did. But uh, as far as the Blu-ray is concerned, it's not great. It isn't widescreen. It looks kind of like a VHS upscale or something. It's not. I do not know anything about the elements or anything about this movie, what happened to it or anything besides that it was a, a, a TV miniseries cut to a film. Now, what's cool about it is that they did in, include the 19 minutes of deleted scenes. It's only in Italian with English subtitles, but there's scenes in there with, of course, the guy from Hell of Loving Dead and John Saxon. More scenes, which are needed because Saxon, I love. 
love. So seeing a little bit of Saxon, even if it's not with his own voice, is, is fine enough by me. So, I mean, if you like the film and you can get this relatively cheap, I would recommend grabbing it because, you know, it's, it's you know, a Martino. It's not one of his great, you know, Gialli that he made in the 70s, like, you know, the the, the slasher Gialli, like Torso or something like, uh, you know, Your Vice is the Locker Room and Only I Have the Key or The Strange Vice of Mrs. Worth. You know, Martino is one of the best uh, Italian directors. He's got a lot of good films under his belt. He's got a lot of goofy films under his belt, including Hands of Steel and and uh, Screamers and all sorts of stuff like that, too. He's a pretty prolific director, and this is one that I hadn't got a chance to see, and I'm glad I finally did check it off the list. Um, not my favorite Martino, but a pretty solid one and interesting, because who's all involved with this? It's like, you know, when Italy was kind of into the TV game, but 82, you know, there's still a lot of crazy horror films going on. And this one has, like, a lot of the people that were, like, right in the middle of everything. You know, like I said, the cast and the, the crew and everything behind it is pretty impressive. And, of course, you know, Martino's brother produced it, Luciano, I believe it is, his brother. So, yeah, it, it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. I did enjoy it. But, like, again, it's got a great cast. It's got great uh, composer. It's got great writers. And it's got a great director. It doesn't really equal, you know, all the people that it should. It should be better, but it's still interesting enough to check out if you haven't seen The Scorpion with Two Tails. Um, that's also the name because there's a necklace. It's pretty cool stuff. Okay, now we're going to do the second part of The Creep Show Season 3. We're going to do the last six episodes here. So, uh, yeah, anyways, I've been a, a fan so far. The first six were all really good. And let's hop right into the second six. Uh, you know, The Creep Show is based off an anthology movie from 1982, directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King, with special effects by Tom Savini. Pretty iconic movie. Had a sequel. A couple sequels. One, I would say, is unofficial. Yada, yada, yada. Had this TV series that debuted on Shudder. It's in the line of EC Comics and Tales from the Crypt and all that kind of great stuff. So here we go. Um, we're going to hop into the first, the last six episodes here. And uh, I got my little trusty just to remind myself. Um, the Stranger Sings. Now this is a pretty fun story. Very kind of lighthearted in a weird way about a siren. Yeah, you know, there's not that many uh, stories about sirens. And this one works really well. I think that the relationship between the three characters is kind of a three-hander, is really cute. And of course, you know, if you guys know Sirens, they lure people to certain places. Thought that the special effects were solid. Very enjoyable, very cute. Um, yeah, this one is per perfectly serviceable. I would recommend checking this one out. Um, the next one on here is uh, Meter Reader. And this one is actually, I believe, directed by Joe Lynch, who I love. Joe Lynch did stuff like um, Mayhem and Wrong Turn 2 and, and a slew of other ones. Um, what was the one he did? Everly, I believe. So Joe Lynch uh, does some really good films. He also was on the podcast with Adam Green. So this one, I was like, oh, cool, Joe Lynch. It opens up, and it is like a post-apocalyptic world with like an aesthetic that I was like, this could be cool. And uh, it opens up with, bring out your heads. There's a garbage man taking all these heads and putting them in the in the dumpster to compact. I was like, oh, this is going to be really gnarly. And they talk kind of some opening narration. You realize that this is like kind of a possessed world, a possession world with like the post-apocalyptic feel. And there's these meter readers that go around and you know, help what they can and do all these things. And I, I kind of like hit this, and I was like, I like post-apocalyptic movies, but sometimes they're oversaturated and they become very cliche. And I like some possession movies. Most of the time I find them cliche and there's just oversaturation. So these became two subgenres that are mixed and they both felt very oversaturated. It couldn't catch my attention. This is my least favorite episode of the, the 12. Did not care for this one, which kind of bummed me out. Um, just didn't connect with any of the characters. Didn't think the acting was particularly great. Um, just not interesting to me. And two subgenres that can be good, can be great, but they were just kind of seem like a waste of my time in this aspect. I, I mean that kind of sadly because the whole season's pretty solid except this one. Okay, the next one is called Time Out. And this one, it's a story about, you know, lost time. You guys ever seen Click? 
with Adam Sandler. It's kind of that vein, you know, the the typical story about, you know, you you give up something time to to save time and you're going to pay for it, right? You don't. So basically this uh, young kid finds this thing in his grandma's house, his cabinet. And he's warned early on in his life that this cabinet or something, there's something weird about this cabinet. So essentially, well, as he's in college, uh, the cabinet shows up to his house after his family's died. And it, it comes with a warning. It basically says, do not go in here unless you need extra time. Never leave. Go, go in there without the key, of course. So essentially, he finds really quick when he's cramming for exam that he can go in here and freeze time for everyone else but himself. He continues to age in this. So he starts using it to excel in college, and of course, he's going to do it in his work life. And he's always getting much, much older than everyone else, and he's run down, yada, yada, yada. That's how this works. We know exactly where this is going. Now, this is, of course, you know, a, a, a morality tale, I guess, in a lot of ways. Don't cut corners, yada, yada, do the hard work to earn, but or don't overuse a good thing. But it doesn't feel like a creep show to me. It feels very much like a Twilight Zone kind of style thing. It's a little lighthearted and goofy and kind of cheaper on their edges. It's okay. It's fine. It's not bad. It just does feels a little out of place, if that makes any sense. And I like it. I don't love it. It's okay. Okay, the next one is The Things in uh, um, Oakwood's Past. Now, this is a super Lovecraftian one, animated one, directed by Greg Nicotero. This one is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this one. A, a huge, huge blast here. It reminded me of stuff like In the Mouth of Madness or, or The Mist. Just great stuff like that. So, essentially, what we have is this town historian who starts looking into, like, how uh, over the years these people have disappeared in this town, like, 100 years ago or something like that. I can't remember the exact deadline. And every year, these people, like, they celebrate. I think they're celebrating 100 years or something like that and they're digging and they find this like this uh this big cabinet or this big lock chest and they're confused by it and as she starts to dig deeper into the history of it she finds more people that you know more timelines that disappear like every x amount of years and uh it's getting closer to the ceremony and her father's the mayor and yeah it's gonna end in chaos this one's a lot of fun it's gory it's weird it's scary it's lovecrafty and this one's really enjoyable this is good stuff one of the best of the season uh highly recommended very fun and an animated one, which you got to go with. Check it out for sure. And the last two-parter episode here is, I want to get the names. I do remember the episodes, but I want the actual correct names. We have a Drug Traffic, and this is the one with uh, Michael Rooker, who I absolutely adore. Michael Rooker is one of my favorite character actors. He's in Henry's Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in Cliffhanger, Replacement Killers. Michael Rooker's in your movie. Super. It's going to be better. So, yeah, this one, he is essentially kind of a border uh, patrol officer, and there's a politician coming through, bringing in a busload of people that are going to get, like, American citizenship or they're American citizens or something. They just got American citizenship. They got to go through the whole routine, something like that. And this politician is clearly doesn't care about these people. He's kind of like... Uh, he just wants to make an impression and him and Michael Rooker kind of butt heads almost immediately. And it's, it's kind of like uh, back and forth. That's really fun, but essentially someone's coming into this country. That is not as they seems uh, as they seem they're smuggling drugs. Um, and the daughter looks very sick and uh, this is going to be a spoiler here because I just want to talk about this and the hook is good enough and I'm sure you've seen the trailers and stuff and seen it but what happens is um, I don't necessarily know the proper term because I don't know where the actual creature or you know which which country these people came from in the film but a lot of these different countries like in like uh, in some of the Asian countries like Indonesia or Thailand or even Japan they have these creatures where they can detach their heads and their guts float around and they attack people and that's what we have here 
so they've been hiding her like with a stopping this thing from happening from the head detaching with these drugs but of course Rooker stops that unknowingly and the detached head rides around this place and starts massacring everyone it's wonderful it's the best episode of the season because very rarely do you get to see these kind of creatures in any western films at all you know it was kind of refreshing when we did 1994 I believe and we did Aswang which is a weird uh, kind of Indonesian myth I believe or Thailand uh, from Thailand and we got to see that done in a westernized style this one is another kind of westernized style deal where the floating head and the special effects are really fun and it's just kind of gnarly and crazy and different Rooker shines in it Rooker and the politician have a back and forth which is absolutely hilarious it's very good um, gory and there's a there's a little cameo by somebody you guys would know um, who's in the series as a regular right so yeah this one's great and the last episode they go out on a bang a dead girl named Sue so there we go and uh, you know Greg Nicotero being from the Romero kind of group uh, this one's directed by John Harrison who directed Tales of the Dark Side who did the score for Day of the Fucking Dead He and Creep Show. he's a composer he always worked with Romero John Harrison's a cool guy for sure uh, worked with a lot of great Romero stuff so anyways he directs this episode and this one's in black and white and it incorporates clips from Night of the Living Dead the broadcast and everything like that so you're imagining that this is taking place at the exact same time as night of living dead maybe the same area all that kind of stuff so we have here is kind of a sheriff um i can't think of what's the one movie with uh, marlon brando where he's this small town sheriff trying to protect paul newman uh, from a gang of thugs that's kind of what we have here or like you know a typical sheriff situation old west situation where these group of vigilantes want to kill somebody but it's during a zombie apocalypse but they don't know how serious a zombie apocalypse is yet so basically you get all these townsfolk that want to take this monster out that it's done a whole bunch of awful things to everybody and you know the sheriff's trying to stop it at first and we, we start to see zombies kind of around the town and the end uh, is obvious where it's going it doesn't matter because it's perfect it's very entertaining and anything that's going to incorporate Night of the Living Dead fairly successful I will love and this one does a pretty good job um, a de- what is it a, a girl named a dead girl named Sue um, obviously a boy named Sue because um, it's you know referencing the Johnny Cash song but out of the 12 episodes I think most of them are a winner I would only say one is really kind of a loser um, and that is basically the meter reader it's the only one I really don't think is very good but as a whole great season for Creep Show. I look forward to the four season yeah check them out on shutter if you have it or pick up the blu-rays okay now the rest are pretty much all 2022 releases and the first one up is joe bigos's christmas bloody christmas this is on shutter i love joe bigos um basically joe bigos did almost human then mind's eye then he did bliss vfw i've enjoyed almost all his movies to a certain extent i mean almost human i was iffy on but after that i've loved everything i need to rewatch almost human i adore bliss and vfw mind's eyes great stuff too so christmas bloody christmas i was very excited about joe bigos doing uh you know a bloody gory christmas movie that is in the vein of Terminator and it's shot on 16 millimeter sign me up it's got uh, some familiar faces in here of course Dora Madison is in here uh geez um what is the actor's name from uh Jeffrey um the guy from all the um Rob Zombie movies he's in here you know the guy who's in you know 31 and Jeff Daniel Phillips I believe his name is and of course we got Jeremy Gardner Graham Skipper makes a small appearance so yeah it's got a nice cast you guys will recognize some some Bigos regulars it's got his look you know that grainy 16 millimeter now what I'll say is this you know Shudder um, you know if you watch it on your tablet you watch it on a fire stick it looks pretty solid but if you watch it on a Samsung TV or a smart TV and you watch that app direct to the TV it looks like shit it's very pixelated it does not look good so Shudder is not uh, made that app is not 
not made for every kind of thing. It's best to watch on a, a fire stick. Trust me. I've learned the hard way because this looks very pixelated. And I popped it in on the fire stick layer. And I was like, it looks much more clear. And this is a movie that's shot on, you know, 16 millimeters. So it's already grainy. It already has a certain look to it. It already has a cloudy, purposely kind of hazy look that Joe Bigos did. So that stuff, you know, I like that shit. But, you know, when it goes through the shutter app on, on a smart TV does not look good, you know, because it's very pixelated already. So essentially what we have here is a very simple, entertaining, gory story. So there's these basic class of 1990 robot deals. You remember if anybody's ever seen that movie by Mark Lester, essentially these robots were military grade and they were put into a school right after they were no the government contract was avoided and then they wanted to use them as teachers of course they go berserk and start killing the kids this is basically this uh basically a military weapon and it was used as a santa claus now because they're using them around but they've been recalled something happens to the santa where it snaps one night and it just basically runs on a rampage it hyper focuses on this girl and kills everybody to get to her you know, a la Michael Myers, right? In the first one. So basically it runs through dozens of people slashing and cutting and shooting and, and whatever. It has like, it's not really necessarily shooting everybody, but it's ripping them to pieces. Um, Jeremy Gardner is in here as a, as a very loud, hilarious cop. There's a lot of language. Some people are complaining about the F word being dropped every five seconds. I didn't mind it. I like the dialogue. The two leads in here love movies. They love music. They constantly argue. I didn't have a problem with the dialogue. I also don't have much problems with most Rob Zombie movie dialogue. Some people do. Understandable, it is what it is, whatever. Um, so I like the aesthetic for the most part. I wish that Shutter worked better on my television. Next time I rewatch this one for my top ten, I will be watching it on a Fire Stick. Um, so, anyways, yeah, this is a very entertaining movie. Like I said, it's very much in the vein of a class in 1999 or a Terminator. The end uh, is pretty intense. Like it gets big. It gets the kill counts through the roof. Tons and tons of dead bodies. I love that. Um, and I will say this, man, that robot will not fucking go down. I've never seen so many, you know, false stops of a robot ever. But I really enjoyed this one. Good Christmas stuff, good Christmas gore. And Joe B goes, he does it, he does it again. You know, he, he keeps up for me, and he, he's going to become one of my favorite directors in, in no time. Just a couple more movies, and I like, he'll be on the top. You know, I love his films. I love his aesthetic. Um, Bliss is still my favorite, followed by VFW. Then either this or Mind's Eye. I'm not 100% sure. It's been a while since I watched Mind's Eye. Check this one out just in time for the holiday season. Okay, the next one is on Human. And I believe I watched this on Amazon Prime. And uh, this is kind of just, I'll be quick with this one. I don't have too much to say. So it's a zombie film. It's like a zombie kind of lighthearted comedy deal. Um, or you think. So essentially we have a group of kids uh, that are going out. I believe that they're on some, I can't remember exactly what what they're up to. It reminds me of that movie I just watched, Black Holler, where these kids got to get extra credit or something. So there's a group of like kind of almost like I say they're like misfits you know nobody really likes each other there's some some dorky kids on there some some bullies it's a mixture of a couple jocks you know the heavy kid all, all sorts of almost stereotypical kind of kids that would be in this situation so they're on this bus ride the bus driver is definitely channeling Chris Farley from Billy Madison cranked up to 11 he is just screaming he is drugged out he's hilarious the best part of the movie and the teacher is also a complete dickhead his opening speech to introduce the kids where they're going is absolutely hilarious and wonderful uh maybe the best acting in the film but we kind of follow this uh this girl whose mom is not really there as much as she should be she's always working and her best friend are kind of the main characters so right when they get out there something goes wrong they hit something on the road they have to pull over they almost they crash uh, basically and right away these kind of crazy like creatures zombie attacks them 
and a bunch of them are hurt, killed, five or six of them get away, and they kind of have to work together to try to survive. Some of their, you know, like their personalities come out, their past come out, their arguments and all this kind of stuff. And then there's kind of a big reveal that's a little bit different, which I liked. Um, the colors are, are like, obviously, they're like bright neon and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's an entertaining, fun, like, I don't I want to say lighthearted. There's some gore here and there, but it's not really super mean-spirited, I guess. There is some crazy moments and funny moments and everything like that. I would recommend checking it out. You know, a lot of people are hating on it, but I enjoyed it for the most part. You know, kind of a fun zombie comedy that I think you could do worse with. Now, it, it, there's a lot of teen characters and stuff, and I know that bothers a lot of people. I don't care. You know, I, I enjoy that. You know, it's a fun movie. I think a lot of people will like it. Okay, the next one is an Amazon Prime one, and uh, last week I watched Master from Amazon Prime, and that was so well done, so well handled, its subject and its message and all that kind of stuff. This one is Run, Sweetheart, Run. Now, I only bring that up because there's been a lot of movies that, you know, tackle racism and, you know, toxic masculinity this year, and they've done it well. Resurrection, Fresh, Master, all these films, they, they tackle it. Barbarian, there's just these issue, these things in there, you know, that are really well done, and they have finesse, even uh, a wounded fawn. All these movies have these elements and they do a really good job without coming across too ham-fisted and, and whatnot. I cannot say the same about Run, Sweetheart, Run. And with an hour and like 43 minute runtime, it's too long. It's very obvious. It doesn't do anything different or special, yet it keeps... It's a movie that will show you everything and then tell you everything. So what we have here is... Um, uh, this young girl that she's going to school for, I, I can't remember, to be a lawyer, and she works at this firm. Um, her boss one day says, you double booked me, you need to take this uh, meeting with this person. She shows up. The guy is very like handsome, and he seems to have a lot of money, and he starts charming her. And um, and then he goes home with her, and I like how they handle this scene. You know, She's attacked, but they don't show you. They show her run out, and you see the aftermath. And this guy starts chasing her. And after a while, you realize this guy's got some special connections. He's got some special powers, and it becomes fairly obvious. And then they kind of go John Wick, and they open up the world with a lot of other people in there here and there, which could be cool. But it's kind of a, a, you know, a, a crazy night movie where she's running around and running into a lot of people. But I'm going to spoil this. So, you know... It turns out he's some sort of vampire creature or something along those lines. And um, it and I understand I have no problem with the movie's message. I have no problem with the movie having a message, even if I agree or disagree with it. And I probably, you know, I, I don't disagree with the message as a whole. This movie is so fucking ham-fisted. It's like that, uh, you know, Train to Busan animated movie, which felt very ham-fisted. It was a movie that was anti-capitalist, but then they had Pizza Hut in the background of everything. So it was like, what is this? Um, this that That's a little bit of, you know, um, basically um, hypocritical shit there, but you can get over it. This movie, its basic message was that every... Um, white male is pretty bad and most males are pretty bad as well to a certain extent varying on what color their skin is and I don't want to be rude but that's how the movie comes across I've had friends say that they felt that way about the remake of Candyman and I was like I don't see that at all and I don't I like the Candyman I didn't see it in there it didn't bother me and this one it doesn't bother me what they're saying you know, it just bothers me that it's so obvious and on the nose that it's just like, have some fucking finesse with your message, guys. You know, George Romero and Jordan Peele are so good at that shit. And like, what are we doing here? Like John Carpenter, this is so ham-fisted. It's almost like they're looking at their audience like they're a bunch of idiots and they keep telling them over and over and over again. And it's just, I get it, you know. There's a lot of bad guys out there and I don't get it. I, you know, I'm a guy, but I'm just saying, you know, the point is I get your message in the movie. 
Stop treating me like I'm a fucking idiot and telling me a million times. Unless this is, you know, aimed at a younger audience. But like I said, a movie like Master has so much good finesse and it's so well done. And even like Fresh and Resurrection, these are uh, Resurrection are, are just so well done and so handled so well. And then we have something like Run Sweetheart Run, which is technically not a bad film at all. It has an okay soundtrack, has a lot of gore, but at the same time, this girl's running away for her life and she gets dozens of people killed. Everybody is killed, but it just doesn't do anything different or special. And the what it's trying to do it's just a vehicle for its message and its message is so ham-fisted and and over the like over the top and it's just exposition dump after exposition dump it's just shitty it's it's written like shit it's not very well written and i'm sorry to say that because this could have been really cool could have been good i mean it also reminds me of the movie midnight that came out this year where we have the serial killer chasing the uh, deaf girl and there's a big cat and mouse and that's a good movie that's much better film than this and it feels some of the same subject matter and all that kind of stuff where like if somebody's handsome or or looks decent or is charming people won't think they're a killer and, and they do that kind of stuff too people won't believe the woman they won't believe what's going on and that happens in a lot of movies it happens in Barbarian like I said and, and you know those other movies just handle it so much better and this one is just so ham-fisted crap I'm sorry it's one of the worst movies I've seen this year one of my least favorite viewing experiences I've seen some turds like a couple really cheap 2022 movies that were just made on like for a hot dog and they're, they still sometimes are better than this this one is just you know it's poorly done, and there's just so many other movies that came out like it this year that are just ten times better. So skip Run, Sweetheart Run. I mean, there's some cool aspects, but it's not worth your time, I don't think. I just think it's ham-fisted crap. And, and I don't disagree with the message, you know. Like I said, there's just a dozen other movies that came out this year with that do it better, but way better. Okay, speaking of movie that does it better than Run, Sweetheart Run, we're talking about Barbarian. Now, uh, yeah, this one's pretty wild. I'd heard a lot of good things about Barbarian, but uh, I decided to rent it to finally check it out. Gotta say that the uh, 4K on uh, Amazon looked great, the rental. Um, I just bitched about Amazon in the opening, and I'm renting 4Ks from Amazon, you know, the streaming, whatever. So basically, uh, this has a, I can't think of the lead actress's name. She looked familiar, but it also has Bill Zarsgaard and Justin Long and Richard Brake, you know, people that have been in a lot of horror films, you know. So so there we go. Uh, so Essentially, this girl is double booked at an Airbnb. She shows up in a really rundown part of Detroit. Love that it takes place in Detroit. You know, think It Follows. Remember, It Follows did that like 10 years ago, and it was really cool to see that. And there's been a couple other horror films that take place in Detroit. I like Detroit. I live by Detroit. So seeing rundown Detroit is always kind of cool in horror films, you know. So essentially, she is at this Airbnb, and the, the whole neighborhood's rundown except this one house. And uh, Bill Zarsgaard's there, and you start to feel like a little leery about the whole situation. But uh, it goes a little bit better than thought even though some creepy things do happen she goes back and there's more than meets the eye and after that reveal it gets a little crazy and um i'm gonna have to spoil it but as a whole before i get the spoilers it's a really good film really uh shocking moments really funny moments uh really kind of nasty bits too just a really cool film and i every time they're starting to get stale they switch it up which i really enjoyed so spoiler basically underneath the house is some sort of like another like layer and stuff and we have this character that barbarian barbarian kind of woman but looks a lot like the thing from martyrs which scared me the reveal of it scared the shit out of me just like it did in the original martyrs so uh the the, the first reveal of the barbarian is horrifying it's fucking horrifying it's terrifying and it gets crazy and gross and, and so we kind of like have that reveal and then, like, we kind of cut into a new character in Justin Long, and his character is so well done. He's such an idiot, and it's just a fucked up thing, talking about, like, a lot of touchy subjects. And I think that his character is portrayed accurately and in a really fucked up way. 
And then you're always wondering about the character of the entire movie, and he kind of shows his true colors at the very end. Uh, yeah, this is a good film. It's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. Um, it doesn't, and you know, for the hour and 42 minute runtime, you would think that hey, is a little long. No, I enjoyed the whole thing. Uh, Richard Brake is great in it. Um, I ain't going anywhere. You know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. He's great at it. They, they, like I said, right when the movie starts to slow down, they, they kind of introduce a new character and a new piece of the puzzle, which I thought was entertaining. I like everything about it. You know, there's nothing really wrong with it for me. I know that some people complained about the water tower thing at the very end, and I thought that visually that one thing did look a little cheesy, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, also could be reminded of something like Castle Freak or Martyrs, kind of a shout-out to that kind of thing, or even like Lurking Fear, the way the creatures look in that movie. But anyways, for the most part, I thought this was a really fun nasty kind of crazy movie that had some genuine scares good dialogue good characters yeah i like this stuff good good movie very funny too like i said darkly humorous uh measuring the square uh, square foot square footage of you know an underground cavern which has a creature in it hilarious Okay, the next one here is by Ty West, and I think it's absolutely crazy that we not have not only one, but two Ty West movies from 2022, and this, of course, is X. Yeah, this takes place in 1979, and this has had a lot of buzz, and so I was kind of excited to watch it. It's got Mia Goth in it, and uh, yeah, I was just like, okay, it is what it is, and I'll probably talk freely about this one because it's been out for so long. So, 1979, and I have to say this, boom, this move over. You know, all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels and remakes, you did not capture the spirit like Ty West did. This legitimately felt like the closest to a Texas Chainsaw. The aesthetic, the way it's shot, everything about it. So, uh, yeah, what we have here is a, a group of independent porn filmmakers that rent out this kind of like barn um, uh, area from this older couple. Um, the the guy seems to be there, the older male, but the, the female is a little out of it. She's completely out of it, to be honest. Uh, kind of senile, seemingly. And uh, they they're going to make this uh, porn called Farmer's Daughters, which I believe is obviously uh, there was a farmer daughter, farmer daughter. But there is a porn, a roughie called Farmer's Daughters, um, which I've never seen, but I know it's a roughie porn film. So it's supposed to be pretty nasty. So yeah, obviously shout out to that. So essentially what we have here is a, a group of like six filmmakers. You know, there's some porn stars making this. And uh, originally they didn't tell the guy. But uh, Mia, the older woman, gets a gets a glimpse of it, and one of the younger actresses in the film reminds her of her when she was younger. They have that X factor, which I absolutely loved. Um, so essentially, it becomes kind of like an old, creepy kind of killer movie, like Backwoods Steel. Uh, they set a lot of things up wonderfully. You know, the alligator. Uh, this place it takes place in Texas. They set up a lot of great kills. I love the alligator. It reminds me so much of Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive, which was a crocodile, if you guys don't remember. But hey, um, so so like uh, yeah, there's just that great stuff. And this uh, move over the stand uh, by Mick Garris. We have a new uh, contender for best use of Don't Fear the Reaper ever. Man, boy, that was fucking awesome. The Owen Campbell scene I had to be when that final first kill happens. I was so impressed with that first kill. It won me over 110%. It was creepy. It was effective. It was scary. It was unnerving. Man, I love this fucking movie. I, I was so shocked how much I loved it. Um, I just thought it worked so well. The the music drops, the, the characters, Mia Goth playing two roles. I really love this film. I definitely will rewatch it. I would be, this is the top of my top. It's, it's the top of my movies for 2022. I, I thought it was great. Um, I spoiled a lot, but you know, the acting's tremendous. The, uh, the aesthetic is tremendous. The cinematography's tremendous. And you know, I like House of the Devil. I, I like the Sacrament. I, I think the Roost is okay. I like Cabin Fever too. I'm not a Ty West like fanboy or anything like that, but this is a great film. 
And I'm so happy to see him do something like this, right? Because I, I didn't like his shortened ABCs of Death or VHS, but, you know, like I said, House of the Devil and Cabin Fever 2 and, and like, Sacrament are all good movies. I need to watch The Innkeeper still. But, yeah, this was so refreshing to see him do something like this. You know, he's very good with period pieces, and I can't believe it. And he's had two in one year. Man, this is a great movie. I look forward to the third one, of course. But X, man, this is tremendous. Like, I don't even know what to say. I love the acting. I love the setups. Uh, just great stuff. I really recommend it, um, especially if you're a fan of 70s cinema, you might get a kick out of it. I know not everyone loves it, but I love this damn thing. X is great stuff. Of course, how am I going to review X without talking about Pearl, the prequel to X? Here we go, right? So... I didn't know what to expect, which I hear a lot of people prefer X over Pearl or vice versa. This one takes place in like 1918, and this is, of course, our character of Pearl. This old woman now is a young woman, and we kind of see why she was the way she was like, you know. And she lives in this kind of crazy fantasy world. It's technocolor, it's bright, it's brilliant. But you know what? Pearl's never been right. She works, She lives on this farm, the same farm in X, and uh, she just lives in her fantasy world like a lot of other serial killers. It reminds me a lot of Eyes of My Mother, which I absolutely love. Kind of the the start of a, a female murderer or killer or serial killer, however you want to put it. But instead of being like this gloomy black and white, it's brightly colored to like kind of show her fantasy world. And it's just a you know kind of looking back and say the good old times. But you know were the good old times that great? And it's uh, during World War One. Her husband has left her. She's stuck with her invalid father and her very domineering German mother. And she basically has no freedom. All she does is like kind of live in her fantasy world and dance and just be kind of strange. Um, her sister-in-law kind of is her only friend, but she starts to see this projectionist in town um, and showing her movies, and she's kind of shown a couple things, and you kind of get the inside of her psyche, what she wants to do, where she wants to go. Um, this movie I, I thought was good. Um, I didn't think it was quite as good as X until there's a moment at the table where Pearl has this monologue where she pours her entire guts out and everything like that. It's on her the entire time, and it goes. it's like five to ten minutes, and I just was completely stunned by it. I was sucked in by it. I was hurt by it. I was scared by it. I was unnerved by it. It's a fucking tremendous performance. It, it's probably the best performance of the year. And there's a lot of great female performances this year. I've been very impressed. Rebecca Hall had one from Resurrection. It's just, it's the year of the female, right? As far as a lot of directors out here and actresses. And it's just doing, it's doing a really great job. You know, that, and like, it's cool to see like these, these actresses get these juicy roles and fucking deliver, you know? And I mean, like, if you look back in the last few years, you've had uh, Tony Collette killing it. Uh, I mean, Nicole Kidman's done some good stuff too with Destroyer. So it's just nice to see these roles. Mia Goth and coming in and killing it there's just a lot of um you know anna taylor joy just a lot of good actresses coming up and they're they're doing a great job and uh mia goth you know i had seen the suspiria remake and i remember really liking it but watching um this one here her performance was so good and this movie's so different from x but yet it ties in really well with it um i caught myself laughing in a nervous way and some of the kills they're just great and it's just like this violent you know activity happening across this beautiful scenery these are both great I can't wait for the third one. X and Pearl are both tremendous, both sure to be in my top 10. I can't see, I, I don't think there's 10 better movies in either of these this year so far. Barbarian was also great. I mean, Bones and All was great. A Sadness is great. I like, nope. I feel like this year has gotten much better, and I've only seen 52. I'll probably go about to 70. I still got a lot of heavy hitters to go, but I really love Pearl. I think it's great. I like both of them quite a bit. I will rewatch them. I, I want to rewatch them again. I even like Halloween Ends, so what do I know, though, guys? But Pearl, loved it. Hey guys, we're here for a Patreon pick, and someone picked, basically, let Jeremy pick a movie. And so, Jeremy picked one of his all-time favorite films <laughs> from 1983, 
just one that we never covered on here. And any chance Jeremy gets to talk about this one, this is one he's going to pick. No, it's not Heather's. That's 89. Why don't you tell him what the movie is? Shock Treatment. It's not Shock Treatment. Oh, <laughs> we already covered that on here. Yeah, we did. Um, no, it's Rock and Roll, actually. Yep. Um, wait, wait. 89. 83. 83. 83. I made a joke yeah. here. Yeah. Um, basically, this is a low-budget Canadian animated movie, kind of in the vein of Phantom of Paradise or Heavy Metal or something along that lines. It's, it's got those vibes. You know, it's got like a like a cast of different like rock artists, you know, writing different songs and then maybe writing a script around those songs about yeah. summoning demons <clears throat> and forming a band and betraying your band and falling in love. And it, it's just a fantastic movie. It's got voice talents of Debbie Harry, Lou Reed, um, Iggy Pop. Now, I think Iggy Pop sings in there. Mm -hmm. But Lou Reed is the voice of Mock, who's the villain, who's a really weird, ridiculous villain. Reminds me a lot of Swan from, mm -hmm. um, is it, it's Swan from um, Phantom of Paradise. Phantom of Paradise, yeah. yeah. A lot like him. Um, and just like, obviously, a metaphor for the evil, like, corporate, like, rock and roll kind of mogul kind of deal. Uh, there's these three like goon characters that mm -hmm. are like brothers that are kind of fun, and the ending's really touching actually. Oh yeah, the ending's it's super. Touching. Really short movie, obviously because it's animated. And it was a lot of work. Yeah, what, what is this like? Maybe like an hour thirty. No, it's an no, hour it's like an seven, hour and seventeen. Yeah, I think. Um, seventy-seven minutes. Um, so like, like this is like one of those like lost movies where I I watched it as a kid like late at night on TV, and I didn't know that it was real like. You know, I didn't know what the title was. I just knew I watched this cartoon. And I thought they were wolves when I watched it. Like, all the characters were, like, rock and roll well, wolf people. Explain the plot here is essentially there's, like, a giant war. And I think everybody dies. The only people that inherit the Earth are, like, mutated mice, cats, and dogs. Mm -hmm. So it's like a furry's wet dream. Oh, it so, is. So everybody's, like, a, a rock mouse in the movie. Like, of course... You know, there's the cops and there's goofiness and, and all everybody's like the cops and the authority figures are always like super stereotypical. There's like this military guy who is like directly the voice of John Wayne, which is absolutely hilarious. It's um <sighs> yeah, so it's, it's a post apocalyptic, you know, story, but like the apocalypse isn't the function here. Like it, it just sets <clears throat> up the stage, you know. So everybody's kinda like 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 the world's devastated, you know, everybody's anthropomorphic. Um there's mutants in this that are just kind of like the remnants of like human beings from long ago. I mean, that guy was a lizard thing, it wasn't a human. I think about No Face. No, that guy they shot. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was a mute. Yeah, there was a lizard guy. I mean, there's just like weird animal mutant things. Um, I feel like that No Face. There's a character later on that does a, a trick to one of the main characters, and it's just like this like skeleton woman. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about. Her. <coughs> she right. looks like she got acid in the face. She looks like a. Uh, the little dead girl from the Tales and the Crypt episode with David Warner and Zelda Rubenstein. Is well, Zelda in that one? David you know, Warner is. it's one of those weird things where, like, not all the characters will look like that. They're animals. Like, Angel just looks like a human. She just has, like, a mouse nose. Yeah, um, everybody's got a weird nose. But th then you, you look at Omar, and he's got, like, just, like, like from the side, it's, like, like a straight-up, like, 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 party hat, like, like, nose thing going on. But from the front, you can't tell that he's, like, you know... You know, hideous looking. Um, Besides the rock stars, you got Catherine O'Hara as a voice. Mm -hmm. You got Paul Lamont, who is in like Puppet Master, but he's in like more. He's in American Graffiti, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, so I mean, he's got some famous people in there. Oh yeah, um, it's like I said, it's a Canadian film. Um, Catherine O'Hara is Canadian, I, I yeah, believe. Yeah. She was um, on SCTV. Yeah, and then she uh, did uh, Home Alone with um, John, John Candy. Candy, both from SCTV. Yeah. Um, 
all those guys. Like if you look at SCTV's alumni, it's John Candy, Eugene Levy, Rick Moranis, Harold Ramis, Catherine O'Hara, Dave Foley. I think is SCTV guy. Um, I think those guys are all. Is it Dave Foley? No, it's Dave Thomas, not Dave Foley. Dave Foley's from Kids in the Hall. But I think those Kids in the Hall guys are Canadian too, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Kids in the Hall. Is Canadian. Yeah, so I was thinking Dave Thomas. No, yeah. I mean I, I think I and uh, Joe Flattery from SCTV. I named most of them there. There's a bunch of people from SCTV. It was the main competition with SNL at the time. Uh, was that before Rock and Roll or? Ooh, I, I'm that's, a, that's a tough one. You know, probably know. Um, SCTV was before. Um, so this this movie's like. I don't know. I think it was like like just a, a massive flop when it came out. Um, Probably didn't get seen very much. I don't think it did. So there there are like multiple versions of it. Um, there's like the Canadian version, which I think recast some of the voices. Um, that one I believe is actually lost to time. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I know that there's a few VHS rips. Um, and I remember, like, years ago when the first DVD came out, they had like a. A deluxe double disc. A deluxe double disc. I mean, that had the um, the Canadian VHS rip on it. And it was, it was kind of rough in parts. Um, it's not lost to time if it's on there. It's lost to I mean, the, I mean, that's the best we're ever going to get. I think the actual... It might be on the Blu-ray, film too. itself is gone. It might be on the Blu-ray. Um, they said alternate versions on their day, like two or three. Yeah. And so This so, is from Unearthed, surprisingly. Right. Um, and the original Blu-ray or DVD was from Unearthed, too. All the DVDs and Blu-rays were all Unearthed, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Um... So like when like basically I didn't know that this movie was real when I watched it as a kid, um, and for years I would like talk to my friends like, did you ever see this movie about you know these these wolves and they're in a band and they fight a big devil thing and like what the fuck are you talking about? No, go to bed. Um, the animation was great on the devil. I don't know what they did with that. It wasn't like typical animation. It was very strange. It, it almost has like a like a pencil and paper kind of animation. Like like there's a lot a of like. Book. Um, like a flip book, but it's all like, like, like heavy metal style. And I, I say heavy metal like, is in like the genre, not so much the yeah. film, but also the film. Well, you got um, the, like, yeah, the swords and everything. Right. Well, it it the, felt very Conan the Barbarian at the yes. end when she's tied up, which reminds me of heavy metal, the movie. Right. I mean, like, it just has a lot of like, like aesthetics to like, you know, just like that weird metally eighties, nineties, even to some extent seventies, like album cover. Um, yeah. A lot of locations Iron Maiden stuff. Ha- have these like, <laughs> like fantastic, um, like fantastic, like, like paintings, you know, oh. backgrounds. Um, one of some of my favorite scenes are actually, there's quite a few cause there's a lot of like flying in this movie. And so there's a lot of like, a lot of Blade Runner flying cars. Exactly. And there's like a lot of like bird's eye view of like the city and like the cars driving through the city. And that's usually how they transition from like, Location to location, as they show you the overhead, and, and those are some like the most beautiful. I don't even want to say beautiful, but just some like the coolest scenes. Even though I don't think that they're technically animated, um, I, I feel like like there's actually just like a light that's being moved on this like painting. Um, you know what I do think this movie reminds me of? Hmm. Streets of Fire. Well, yeah, and and like the aesthetic this movie has going for it, I think it it makes me crave that aesthetic. Um, like like that rock and roll post-apocalyptic i don't know how that is a a genre but it is like whatever world jim steinman comes from is the world that i went to live in he did like um a lot of the the songs for like bonnie tyler and meatloaf and then did he do dick tracy he did he no no he didn't do dick tracy did he this is music sonnenfeld that that's Sondheim. That's Sondheim. Sondheim yeah, um, no, so like like Jim Simon, he did um a lot of the meatloaf songs a lot of the meatloaf songs you know bonnie tyler um I think to some extent air supply, 
Um, he he, but he he did the 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 music for uh, Streets of Fire. The um, Kevin Walter Hill. Walter Hill. Why do I think his name is Kevin? I don't know. I don't no know. idea. There's no correlation. <laughs> I'm just saying names now at this yeah. point. Um, but no. So like 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 this aesthetic has like it's always been something that I craved. Um, when like I don't know if you guys, I'm sure nobody has ever seen it. I'm just a monster, but like. The the Felix Takeda animated movie from I'm like sure the eighties. I'm sure lots of people have seen. I'm Felix sure they've Takei. seen it, but it has like that same aesthetic, and so I've always been drawn to that movie. I've always been drawn to like um, in video game settings, like the the future in Chrono Trigger or like Final Fantasy Seven. I think have the same kind of the world's destroyed. We're just living in a piles of junk. We're not trying to save the world. We're just trying to get by, and I yeah. and I, I just feel like those are just really fun settings to be, and I don't know why. It's um, like an Albert Pune movie or something, or like Dollman or Nemesis. It's just weird. Like it's just weird cyborg. But also, what is Mox like? Mo? Like I don't even know. Like you kind of like when you see in the comics, you're like what does Thanos want? He's like, I want to impress death. So like, Mox just wants to bring back this devil. For no reason, like the devil's gonna listen to him. Why would it listen to him? So, 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 Mock has has a reason. Um, oh, not so the wind is also a movie that has like the same aesthetic I like. Um, but uh, so Mock is he's like like the top Billboard artist of his day and age, and his last album like didn't do so hot. Like it still went like they they get something other than platinum in this. It's after platinum. It's, it's, like, platinum. it's like radium. It's it's like something like yeah. nu- nuclear. There's all like nuclear stuff going on in this movie. Um you have like the towns of like Nuke York, Ohm Town. Uh the characters get high off of electricity more than anything. Um <laughs> and the whole movie's about trying to like find a power supply to power of his concert. But um yeah so so his 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 album doesn't do great. His his last concert wasn't a complete total sellout. Like like I think somebody says like like eh, it was like three seats weren't sold or something like that, <laughs> so he's like like I got I gotta come back I gotta like like do this this big magical like like amazing concert that's just gonna blow everyone's minds I know I'll summon you know the devil, um, so so that's basically what he wants but then like he goes crazy I don't know why he goes crazy he's he, always crazy he's always been crazy like his whole shtick is this like Mick Jagger David Bowie kind of um but he's also got that like corporate kind of thing going he, he's too. got the corporate thing going on um you know but but he's like 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 almost like a glam rocker kind of thing going on um he, he, like there's one scene where he has you see that he has a bunch of wigs like well, he has a lot of different outfits probably he has a lot of outfits kind of like a leather face where he channels different musical artists instead of channeling different personalities kind you know of, what i mean kind of yeah. like that you know and and scene to scene mock is constantly looks different yeah. um you know but we're always dressing him up in like different well, hairs and costumes it's, scream out to the rock stars well yeah like, yeah you know and, for album and everything right and, and, and that's, their moods that's really what they're going for um so when he gets the concert and he summons the devil he's like you know he like now it's becomes now it becomes like a power fantasy and so like even when the devil comes he's like like yeah, kill them all! And like, whoa, 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 whoa! Where, where, where did this come from? I just thought you wanted to sell tickets. His, I his, thought you wanted to ask. His motivations seats. really aren't really clear. Kind of like right. a lot of villains. Kind of like you know, weird. Like yeah, like even thinking the crow villain that comes to mind. It's like, what's this guy want? Why? Like, yeah, like, like what, why? What, what do you want? Like, and and really, it's just he just wants to sell chaos. out his show. And and I think he wants chaos. He wants um, to be. So talk a little bit how this is incom- uncompleted. Like what parts do you think are uncompleted? So um, let, let's. Let's, uh, what, what do we talk about? Um, so the movie makes no damn sense. 
Um, that does kind of go into scene in the scene. Scene just go into scene like you know, like the animations like very slow down at parts. But dialogue makes no sense. Like it's ad lib. Nothing syncs up. Um, the movie, like the crux of the movie, is Mock taking the Debbie Harry character Angel, and she has this voice that that power that that can bring forth the demon. So he's like, okay, I'm going to take you. We're going to go to New York, and we're going to put on a show that should be the end of the movie like like that concert should be like well like, they have a failed a concert i don't know they couldn't complete that they so couldn't they... complete it so what they do is i i just don't know if they, if they just were just writing this like ad lib like and, and just going with it um or if they actually had a script i don't think there was ever really a script made i i really do think it was written i wonder if music. they got the musical artist tied in before they even had something i don't know how the project came along probably, right. probably should have watched the making of all this kind of stuff or if they had animation or what or how much input the musical artist had into how their characters looked or what they recorded the audio first it's, and it's, then basic mashed it up with the animation or what i i feel like basically it was the music then they had the characters um they had done um a, a, this studio had done a different movie shortly before, kind of like a proof of concept. That's, uh, it's, I think it's Daniel Mouse and the Devil. Yeah, it's on the disc. I think that should be on the disc. It um, is. <laughs> and and so if you watch that, you kind of see like, and which I think is kind of like the, the same ploy of um, Daniel Johnson and the Devil. Or is that the it? guy with the, the fiddle? Yeah, yeah it's, it's the same concept. <laughs> and that's really what this is. It's the same thing. It's it's music mixing with the devil, and you know who's who's gonna. Who's gonna win? Which um, is Phantom of Paradise. Which is Phantom of Paradise. And which is Phantom and the Mo- Phantom and Faust. Phantom Faust. I mean, you, you know, like music and and Satan, they 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 they're very good bedfellows. Never um, went down to Georgia's right, for exactly. Um, so, anyways, yeah. So we go to this concert and and in in New York and everyone's there and they don't show the concert. They don't show what happens. They just show like. A flyer. That's the first one, yeah. And they say there's a tragedy. Like it's it a tragedy. A yeah, it just like hard cuts to like the next day. And, and you could tell about ten minutes of this movie weren't filmed. There was missing or something along those lines. Right. Like I said, scenes just kind of like end for the sake of like ending. Like like there's like cuts to like different characters, like reaction shots that are literally like a half a second. Like we're talking like three four frames of animation, and like you wouldn't do that in like an actual. Movie. I mean, it seems like a lot of animation just for one little tiny shot that doesn't right. Well, Unless probably never finished it, just right. turning it in. It's kind of like like somebody like doodled some some things. It's like, oh, we'll just use these real quick. We'll just plop them in here. Like they basically like took whatever fragments I, they had, I think, at times, and just put them in for like reaction shots. But they're they're still images, or they're like like just the in betweens. Like I I don't know. The the movie just seems incomplete. It's an incomplete, incomplete. movie. I mean, I think yeah. just the term incomplete kind of. St- Let's everyone know. Yeah, what, yeah, what but it's not a incomplete movie. It's just like a it's it almost feels like a rough draft. Yeah. Um. Or or ideas just weren't hammered out in time, and then they had to like make a deadline. Um. I know it's one of your favorites. I like the movie, the aesthetic, and the music, and I think the ending comes together really well. It's a nice little emotional thing. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of just jarring in places here and there. It just kind of flows into. It doesn't flow that well. It's oh, a good movie that doesn't flow. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the movie doesn't off. flow. I mean, it it's not a good movie. It it is. It's realistically, it's probably like a two star movie. No. I, I think so. Um. 
I, I, I mean, if somebody were to say, like, this is the worst movie ever made. You're an idiot. It's probably in the top 20. No. Uh, <laughs> um, That's not even close. I hate when people say that. It's like, but, but no, but no, I mean, like, it, like you're it's not. It's even a real movie. It's a real movie. It's kind of like the people say that um, Black Cauldron is their favorite movie. It's like their favorite Disney movie. It's like, no, it's not. It's not. Well, like, I, mean, I don't know. My favorite Disney movie is Something Wicked This Way Comes. And that's kind of fucked up, too. Well, well let's because look at the kids were growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, but like Black Cauldron was like the movie that killed Disney. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what you're saying. And then they had to have the Renaissance. I um, mean, you could say it's your favorite, but you can't say it's the best. Right. Exactly. And I think I feel like when I watch Rock and Roll, that's that that's where, where I'm at. Like, I realize that this movie has faults and and that that it's messy. But love like, it warts and all. But um, I maybe it's just my history with the movie. The fact that I didn't for years. I'm talking like I was probably ten or eleven when I first seen this didn't know what it was and for probably 10 years i think i was 18 19 when the finally refound it when i finally found it um and sometimes they seem like dreams like they're not real movies and then you'd rediscover it and you're like oh shit right and, and then like i saw the trailer and i, I mean i remember I was, you know on, on our family computer in our kitchen and you, you know just i don't even know what i was looking up and then like something something caught my list of like animated movies and one of them was like rock and roll i'm like what what is this and i googled it and i'm like you know, I'm like calling up my friends' message. I'm like shooting them links. Like, like I told you guys, it was real. It was real. All oh, they along. have no idea what you're talking it, about. It's it's kind of like you know, I'm like a conspiracy theorist, or like you know, it's like like I finally got to be proven right. You know, um, yeah. So it, it's just a very important film to me. And like like I said, it, it determined my aesthetics. I mean, my my love for Blondie is probably because of this movie. Yeah, her songs are great. Too. Her, her songs are fantastic. Um, and Debbie Harry. So Angel's song, Debbie Harry said that like she when she were, did the recording for this music, the melody of that song haunted her so much that she eventually, like ten years later, like turned the melody into a single for her own albums. Um, which I think it the title of the song is maybe for sure. Um, versus in the movie, I think the song is called "Send Love Through." Um, That's the main song they use at the end, right? The main song in the end, and the song that Angel sings um, in the beginning. Yeah. When when the power goes out, um, like I I think that um, it's just a, an actual gem of a movie. I love Omar and Angel. It's like 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 this is what a romantic relationship is. This is what every relationship needs to be in order for it to be real. Is um, you know rats going through a divorce and then reconnecting. Um, well, that's pretty typical in the story. They have oh yeah, falling out and they connect at the end. It's exactly, very, you know, and you know, one on one, like Angel's doing everything against her will, and mocks like like the magic guy, and he's like, it's very by the numbers in a lot of ways. Oh, it's very by the numbers. Um, there is, um, so Mox goons. One of them's like like you know a simpleton, and he's um, obsessed with a kid show. He's obsessed with Uncle this kid show called Uncle Mikey, and. It looks like something that would air on like Adult Swim. At, like, yeah, now it looks like legitimate Adult Swim programming. It, it does, and like when you're watching, like the animation doesn't match. Looks like it, shit. Yeah, it has so like, weird. Just this like really weird crudeness to it. Um, but I, I feel like it's its own thing. I remember when my you should have introduced Uncle Mikey a little earlier, though. Yeah, I should have. Yeah, they, they really should have introduced Uncle Mikey. They introduced Maybe... him in, like the last ten minutes, and then like play, then like they deliver in the last five, and you're just like. But you know what, though? The punch still lands. It does. Still I, I feel it like it, it, it does. Um, it's on the bottom of the skate, he has a little I, Uncle Mikey yeah, sticker. I, I think the funnest part is probably <coughs> when they go in the club and they're looking for the tattoo. Yes. That's a really fun part where they're all trying to dance and look for it. it, it and that whole club scene kind of makes me feel, um, is it like Fritz the Cat with, by uh, Ralph 
bakshi some porno cat thing yeah yeah um same kind of thing just like a bunch of like 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 furry characters with nipples and you know drugs and and alcohol and trippiness right and and like that the whole club scene honestly as much as i like it at the same time it feels like it's not made for this movie like the 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 character designs for the main cast i think are 10 out of 10 character designs um as hard as they probably were to draw like i just love the way that they look but every like minor character like the ones in backgrounds they 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 don't look like that they belong in the same universe like everybody at the club didn't look like well, some of them do. Some no, of I just them mean do. they're not completed. I mean, like they're not 100 percent detailed. Right, right. And when you have to draw, you know, a hundred of them. That's typical. Of them. That's like any movie. Like the zombies in the background are just wearing masks in Day of the Dead. That's just, and then, then there's shitty paint on this one. I mean, that's typical. It's 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 like it's a cheap, low budget animated movie. I don't know what the fuck people want. You know, like when you're watching like a goofy movie, like you can tell that these characters all kind of exist relatively in the same universe. Yeah. Versus in rock and roll, it's like. Uh, you know, like I can, I can feel the strain in the animators' drawing because we're just trying to draw whatever they can get out. Um, it's like let's just take some of the concept arts for a different character and use them here. Um, which I know that because the original DVD had, um, it came with a book. Yeah. Um, and it had like different concept characters, and then you see those concept characters in the, um, in the background of the film in, in the club. Um. I, I don't like when I rediscovered this movie. I was like really active in like trying to like archive it, or um, I don't think that there was the DVD released yet. Um, but I was really active on, on some forums, and like I actually had once I figured out what the movie was. Um, my friend then she actually got me a comic adaptation of, of the movie. Do you, do, you, do you ever get one of those? No. Oh, I mean, not of this movie, no. No, no but, I've seen them. But though. yeah, it's it's kind of like they they take like stills from the movie and and impose like words and and things over it. Um, so she gave me that and and like she found it like at a flea market in like. Oh, it was an original. Yeah, it was an original. Oh, wow. Yeah, she found like like at a flea market like down in like Finley you still or have something. It? I still have it. I, I should. If I would have thought ahead of time, I would have grabbed it. Um. But yeah, and I, t- I remember taking all those pages and scanning them and like putting them on the form. Like like this is what's going on. This is you know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I have always adored this movie more than I could ever, like, put into words. You put enough words into this. It's a 20 minutes movie. worth. So I'm, I'm good on it. I don't really have a rating for it. I don't want to rate it. You don't want to rate it? It's a five-star movie. All right, there we go. Right. Uh, next, we'll try to get to the Universal. No promises during the holidays or anything. We'll get to it when we get to it. Right. We're done. All right. See ya. Okay, some questions, comments, concerns. Pop Culture Massacre. I agree with your thoughts on Smile. It reminded me of It Follows as well, but seeing so many people shit on it because of that. Yikes. It actually surprised me a bit. Solid flick with good scares. Very curious to hear your opinion on Hanging Heart. It's way out there. You gotta be in the mood to get weird. Might be the winner of the set. Peace, Dave. Mason. Peace, bud. Um, is that Mason? Mason from uh, Wasteland? What's up, bud? Zami Adams. Great episode. So many great movies I haven't seen. Cheers. Nick Mua. You went and did it again, Sir Parker. I wasn't sure about checking out Smile, but your warm endorsement is Paramount sponsoring you. Won me over. Also, kidding aside, it looks though Sozy Bacon did inherit the good actor gene from both mom and dad. Also, horror films that feature Kyle Gallner tend to be good. Questions one. A lot of these anthologies, movies, series are based on existing short stories. How much can you stray from what was written to bring something to screen? As much as it takes as much as it takes i mean like look at something like christine the book you know there's a ghost eating a piece of pizza the way that john carpenter handles it with his style of filmmaking i think is that nihilistic touch and i think it works brilliantly how many changes would you be willing to make to bring your favorite short story to screen 
Um, I don't know. Um, my favorite, I say novella. We'll go with I Am Legend. I would make maybe some changes. I wouldn't go nearly as far as the re the newest remake made. I feel like there's some things that you need. I think you need the suburban, and I think you need that the individualism of the vampires. Um, and I think that Omega Man kind of handles it. I think that Last Man on Earth does it handle a little better. And I didn't. I never wanted to check out I Am Legend, so I'm speaking on a movie I haven't seen. And it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. I just was. I lost kind of interest when I realized that the vampires in that film were all blobs. They were all the same vampire. Because I, I missed the you know the different you know. Like like the Ben Corman, Corman from the book, which is one of my favorite aspects. So I kind of lost interest in that. I, I know that's probably shitty. I will watch Iron Legend eventually. But he says, um, how many? Okay. And then he says, till next week, P.S. Are you, are your cats refusing to leave the house too in this blasted cold? I don't let my cats out. I live on a main road. We're, we're not in the United States. A lot of people, if you're not on a farm or in like a, a secluded area, you really don't let your cats out. Uh, Mark Jones at large. Nice haul list from vinegar of uh, haul from vinegar syndrome. No Texas chainsaw too. The only item I've been able to grab for some time. I always miss all the sales. Oh, I had Texas chainsaw last last uh, vinegar syndrome pile. Ken Coakley, I really enjoyed seeing the, the video with the tour of your collection. Is there a chance that you will do an updated one? I also wonder what kind of home theater setup you have. Do you use a TV or projector? What size and brand of TV and Blu-ray player do you use? If you use a projector, what brand of projector do you use? Do you use speakers? Okay, so I have an 85-inch Samsung, um, and I have a matching uh, surround sound uh, with subwoofer and two rear speakers. I use a Sony Blu-ray uh, 4K player, and I also have a Sony uh, Blu-ray region free player. I also do have a VHS hooked up to a smaller TV and, of course, a Laserdisc hooked up to a 65-inch Vizio that's in a different room, 4K. The Vizio is not that great of a TV, doesn't have HDR. My 85-inch Samsung does have HDR. The surround sound system actually is a, a next updated version over the TV. Um, the subwoofer is pretty solid. The soundbar is actually really great, and the rear speakers are okay. Um, yeah, so I, get, I use a... a I, my 4K player has two uh, a HDMI ports, so I use the second one directly tied into the soundbar, so anything playing off the 4K player will have lossless audio quality. And then I have all my apps connected directly to the TV, including Plex, Shutter, Netflix, and uh, Hulu. I don't really use, I currently don't have a Netflix, but you guys get what I'm saying here. And then he says, the only good thing about being stuck in this nursing home is that I, I have my own room and use a projector and use one of the walls to project my movies on. The only downside is that I can't use the projector in the daytime and watch things on my phone. Okay, as always, keep up the good work. Thank you. Scott S. Vinegar Syndrome got to deal with MGM, it seems. Yeah, I mean, we see the Death uh, Death um, TCM2 and Death Wish 2. Optimus Swag. Smile was so bleak and stuck with me for far longer than expected. I loved it. Definitely top of 2022, in my humble opinion. In my opinion. So, basically, we're going to hop into that update. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Okay, here we go. First up is... The Juan, the Grudge Collection. Believe it or not, I've never seen a single Grudge movie. So when I saw that all these were getting put out here, we got The Curse, The Curse 2, The Grudge, The Grudge 2, White Ghost, Black Ghost. I was very excited because we got uh, The Grudge Part 1 in uh, uh, 4K as well. So that's very cool. Look at this bad boy. From Arrow, it is an import. I've been wanting to see these for a long time. Now finally I get to watch all these. I know these original two are both like super like low budget made for tv editions so very cool yeah like i said i've never got to see these so i'm looking forward to them i know my man and my boy dave z loves these movies so uh yeah the grudge very cool good stuff good stuff next up we have 
uh, Black Christmas on 4K. Classic Bob Clark, 1974. Awesome slasher film. Some people would say the first. Maybe. Who knows? Anyways, new uh, 4K scan. Very cool. Definitely going to check this out in 4K around Christmas. Love this movie. Good stuff. Then we have some cheap 4Ks that came finally from Black Friday. Poltergeist. The Toby Hooper flick, Craig T. Nelson, yeah, a bunch of people in this one. You know, classic movie. I think most people know what the hell Poltergeist is. Oop, that's going to be loud. Sorry, guys. Then we have The Northman by um, Robert Eggers. Uh, great cast. Didn't get to see this in theaters. Didn't watch this one yet. The cast is amazing, so I figured I'd grab this when it was on sale. Sounds like a good Christmas break movie, along with maybe The Green Knight. I can have a double feature kind of deal. Definitely seems like something I'd watch on Christmas break. Then we have Train to Busan on 4K. Couldn't pass this movie up on 4K. Love this film. Great movie. Well, go putting out a 4K here. Yeah, it's an amazing movie from 2016. North, uh, South Korean zombie flick. Love it. There can only be one. Highlander on 4K. Great price on this one. Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery. Um, Queen soundtrack. Man, this movie's awesome. Haven't watched it in a long time. Got to show Jeremy Highlander in 4K, right? Uh, Clancy Brown, by far my favorite part. Happy Halloween, ladies. Gotta love it. Then we have a Blu-ray of Copycat. Um, just kind of a thriller. I think I've seen this years ago, Scooney Weaver, Holly Hunter. Not 100% sure, but hey, for the price, it was $4 on Black Friday. I was like, oh, I definitely will check that out. And then last, but certainly not least, it is The Zombie Army. I got this from Makeflix. Good price on this one. Now I covered this for 1991. I'd seen it before. I have a VHS. But hey, Zombie Army on Blu-ray? SOB on Blu-ray? Why the hell not? Yeah, so the price was good. It is a made-on-demand, but hey, for, for 10 bucks, 15 bucks shipped, I couldn't pass up The Zombie Army on Black Friday. Yeah, so I guess that's the update. Uh, let's get back to the video. Okay, guys, thank you very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Yeah.